Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Batter Listeners, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 73 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Um, so this is kind of our episode that we are recording because um, we haven't really actually talked like Mets stuff in a while beyond like sexual harassment. So let's like not that this week finally talk about uh sexual harassment for once and actually talk about baseball um because that's a refreshing change um spring training is right around the corner literally pitchers and catchers at least for the Mets report tomorrow I believe Um, yes I I think the Mets are the last team to report for some reason but they all reported like this week it's just the Mets happen to be on Wednesday instead of like Tuesday or Monday which is odd but um, I always like the Valentine's Day pitchers and catchers. I kind of feel like that's very like timely and it's all about love and warm feelings. And I don't know I might be the only person who likes to celebrate Valentine's Day with pitchers and catchers, but it just feels right. Yeah, no, it's my dad's birthday. So it feels more fitting to me since he's the one who made me a Met fan. So there you that's go. Fair. That's yes, that's kind of my take on it. My dad's birthday is March 28th, so it's always like opening day always corresponds with my dad's birthday, more or less. Um, Not this year, but it's usually right around, if not that day, then like within a couple of days of that. So that's always fun. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, we haven't actually talked about um, the Mets roster looking at a bird's eye view of it in a while. Um, We had a pod right in the aftermath of the Lindor Carrasco trade. So we talked about that and all of all of the happiness involved with that and what and Francisco Lindor is a Met, which is amazing. Um, But we you know, the Mets have done a lot of done and notably not done a lot of things since that trade um, that should be discussed on the podcast. Um, They traded Steven Matz, which we never actually really talked about (laughs) on this show. Um, They traded Steven Matz for three prospects, um, all of which are like the idea of trading Steven Matz, other than the fact that he's, you know, been not effective for a little while now is, you know, he, the Mets are very, um, inflexible in their roster I guess you could say in the fact that they don't have too many optionable arms so I think the idea behind the Steven Matz trade was to turn Steven Matz a kind of fringe starting pitcher swing man at this point in his career into dudes who are like that but have options and have team control for longer so they did that um they got sort of three guys kind of like that um but then they turned around and traded one of them plus a player to be named later who I don't think we know the identity of yet um in a three-team trade that netted them royal center field prospect Khalil Lee who is now the like fifth or sixth best prospect I guess depending on who you ask I am not an expert in these matters from complex to queens probably has you covered there um yeah their fifth or sixth best prospect or thereabouts um I mean it's a good thing for the Mets because they have really no outfield depth to speak of and you know he potentially can man uh, center field or one of the outfield spots in the future so. are you sure about that allison because it seems like they want the whole team made out of fourth outfielder well yeah that's true that's another <laughs> thing we can get to but as far as like you know in the minor league system they really didn't it was basically it's basically why tim tebow makes the uh Ugh. spring training roster every year and did again this year <laughs> florida <laughs> loves its tim tebow man those games will sell out. Are they selling tickets to spring training games? I don't want to know. They are. Yeah, I don't know if it's are. full capacity or not. That I yeah. don't know. But I know. I mean, Florida is a break in there to see Tim Tebow, so probably best to just charge him for it. Yes. Yes. Um. So yeah, but meanwhile, other than Khalil Lee, um, they seem to want to. The Mets like kind of. The Mets seem to their their off season philosophy ever since the Lindor Carrasco trade. Or it depends on what demarcation you want to use. If you want to use the Lindor Carrasco trade demarcation or GameStop demarcation Hi. or Jared Porter de- Jared Porter departure demarcation, like ever since then, it's kind of been. Great, you've built a lot of depth, but you don't have dudes to actually start. Like, you've done a great job with the depth, but you've built the entire team out of depth now. <laughs> See, my whole thing is they went into the offseason with very specific needs, like a center fielder, uh, pitching, uh, catcher, and they still have those same needs. Like, they got McCann, but they have no catching depth behind Nito. They got rid of Ali Sanchez, which, okay, it's Ali Sanchez, but if Nito gets hurt, what, what do you do? Who, who's your backup? Pat Mazeka, come on down. Still on the Ugh. 40, man, somehow. So, they still don't have a center fielder. Their pitching's fine, 
but with Lugo getting hurt, now you still have, you need bullpen help. So it's like they went and got the best player out there, and that's fantastic. And, you know, they got Carrasco, too, which is fantastic. Stroman came back, great. But you still have holes, and it seems like ever the they're back to the same old Mets of we tried. Like, oh, well, we didn't want to give Paxton an extra $3 million. Oops. Well, I sort of feel like they didn't... They didn't have a regular Mets offseason, but they had like a regular other team offseason and sort of like a little like, whoa, this is what like a regular offseason looks like for a team that goes out and like spends some amount of money and does some creative moves and builds depth. And we're used to the Mets going out and doing like nothing or making yeah. one like really bizarre move. And we were sort of expecting like drunken sailor offseason. And instead we just got regular offseason. Like what what is this? What what do you call this thing? And they're like, no, that's a regular off season. Like, oh, I I've never seen one of those before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting because they've they've made a bunch of signings that like each of them on their own. Although I do think that Kevin Pillar, in the context of Albert Almora already being here, is sort of weird. But like each of them on their own, I'm kind of like, yeah, all right. <laughs> but like yeah. they just keep doing stuff like that. It's like because they basically to like break it down, give you a list. They signed Aaron Laup, Loop, Laup. I'm not sure which pronunciation. I think it's it Loop. I think it's Loop. Um, they signed Aaron Loop to a one-year deal, who's basically the Justin Wilson replacement. Justin Wilson signed with the Yankees like the other day for not that much money at all, and the Mets could have also signed him but opted not to. So they signed Aaron Loop, who's basically the same thing, maybe a little worse to a one-year deal. They signed Jonathan Villar to a one-year deal, which I really like because he's kind of your utility infielder. Um, He can play all the infield positions plus center field, so that's good. Um, They signed Albert Almora to a one-year deal, and at that point it was like, the Mets have found their center fielder, and I was like, after, I was like, I mean, fine, but after, you know, George Springer, that's a little underwhelming. And then they went and signed Kevin Pillar as well. So it's it's unclear to me. I mean, obviously this means that Guillermo Heredia is, is toast, which is good to push dudes like that off the roster, but it's unclear to me whether their intention is to, because Almora has an option and Kevin Pillar does not. So it's unclear to me whether their intent is to roster Pillar and stash Almora in AAA or uh, if their intent is to roster them both at the same time. Um, they're not a platoon, because they're both same-handed, or one of them yeah. is a switch hitter. I forget. But they're not opposite-handed from each other. So they're not a platoon battery or anything like that. So it's just, it's kind of weird. And I'm kind of like, I don't know exactly what your plan is with these center fielders. But sure, I mean, fine. Um, they seem unwilling to meet Jackie Bradley Jr.'s price. Um, because he's asking for like a four-year contract at age 31 and he's a Scott Boris well, he also client. doesn't make as much sense for them if they can't if they don't have a DH spot like if if they're DHing and they sort of if they if there's no DH and they kind of have to get a little more offense out of their outfield I I mean I think you can argue it either way but I get the vibe that that's sort of their feeling that they can't go defense first in the outfield and he's if, left-handed so yes. yeah who's so he th- platooning with right so I think it's always it's it's always just going to be about who is spelling 
Dom Smith or, you know, replacing him late in games, you know, I was really pulling for Bradley, but I get that, like, they just felt like they needed to construct the roster a little bit differently. And from that perspective, I kind of see it. Like, if you're... If you're committing to getting the offense out of the outfield, then no, Bradley's not going to be a fit at, you know, I mean, look, he's not getting four years, but like two years or three years or whatever that is. It's just not like doesn't align well. Yeah. And I I just think the big I just think the big whiff of this offseason really like and honestly, if they address if they address in some fashion and it doesn't have to be in a flashy way. Paxton would have been great but like if they but there are other options still out there although they are dwindling that fill their remaining needs they need one more starting pitcher that's not just minor league depth they did a really good job of building their minor league like back-end depth between the Lucchesi trade and Jordan Yamamoto and Mike Montgomery Tommy Hunter that Jared Eikhoff they did a bunch of those type of signings I fully support that they obviously have had terrible high minors depth on the pitching side in the past so improving that all for that but they still don't really have a guy that can really compete for that fifth starter role. I mean, right now it's Lucchesi's to lose, more or less. I would feel a lot better if they signed Oda Rizzi or Taiwan Walker. That would be really good. If As long as they do that, and one other reliever, especially in light of um, Seth Lugo's injury, um, then I would feel pretty good about this offseason. But I think that the big... The only thing that's keeping it from being a plus to me, as long as they do those other two things, the only thing that's keeping it from being a plus to me is the fact that they whiffed on Springer. And I think they're going to regret that. Um, And I think that the reason they whiffed on Springer is because um, they they saw Trevor Bauer as their guy. Clearly, that's what they they thought. I think that Sandy Alderson very much thought that he was going to sign Trevor Bauer. Um, We've been over Trevor Bauer a lot in this podcast. We're not going to go back into it now. But I think that Sandy Alderson thought they were signing Trevor Bauer. They the Dodgers came in and topped, well, not topped the Mets offer, but offered him kind of a more or less equivalent contract. He wanted to play for the Dodgers, so he went there. So Sandy didn't get his guy, and in the meantime, he also didn't sign Springer because he thought he was signing this other major free agent to a lot of money. And as a result, he missed on both. <laughs> and I think that that's going to come back to bite them. I, I understand. Trevor why- Bauer ruins everything. He does yeah. ruin everything. Q-E-D. In, he ruined everything in ruiner life ruiner um and like i think it like i i understand where the mets are coming from like maggie said with jackie bradley and how that's not really a fit especially since there isn't a dh this year i uh, with george springer you kind of have to say screw it and give him the money anyway because a the D, the no dh in the national league thing is only this year it's probably the universal dh is likely coming in the next collective bargaining agreement although we don't know for sure but you can't just plan your long term based on this one year of not having the dh you have to kind of if you have a good player out there that fits your need you kind of have to go for it and if they don't extend michael conforto and he walks now then you have a problem and you have to fill that need again. And if you already have George Springer on your team, if Michael Conforto walks, that's a hell of a lot less of a sting um, than if, you know, you don't have Springer around, you know? Um, well, and also, I don't get why they were willing to go to, like, $40 million 
for Bauer, but they weren't willing to go to, what, 25 for Springer? It makes no sense to me either, but I think that they really thought they were getting Bauer, and so they stopped negotiating with Springer. Well, it really puts the... Uh, it, it really raises the stakes on the extensions because yes. I think if, if Conforto and Lindor are here next year, then like this is a very good off season. If they are not, then it's kind of met and next off season becomes much more high stakes and much more complicated. Yep. So well, they I have I, to extend Lindor either way. I hope so. I don't think that, like, they can't. Like, you traded away your shortstops, like, either you, you know, both of them. So what are you going to do? I mean, Javi Baez. Jonathan Villar. Yeah. Or just try Javi Baez next year. Why not? Or Trevor Story. Stan Story, I can't, I I can't keep up with that. If they did, then I'll just trade for him the following year. That's true. So then just trade for story. Like, they have options. But really, the answer is just extend Lindor. Yeah. It's, I mean, and that's sort of what I, by like, it just becomes more complicated. Like, that becomes another major hole that they need to plug, and they don't have the pieces that they used this year to get Lindor in the first place. Like, it just, it all looks a lot shinier if these guys are sticking around. And I feel like they probably are. Well, but it's mention, still, we don't really have our feet under us yet of, like, what the new Mets are really about. No, and not to mention, their pitching's going to be a disaster again in a couple of years. Like, Stroman will be a free agent again. Jake Syndergaard. has an opt-out in 2022. Yes, Um, So it's really just Carrasco that you ha- your shore is going to be around for another couple of years. Which so, is a great get. I feel like yeah, Carrasco I love is him. his addition is super underrated i have always liked him i'm really glad he's here and for three years like that's awesome um i think it's one of the like low-key best moves of the offseason but like also that again it doesn't it doesn't make an offseason that doesn't that's not a central piece yeah I think that I think that the Lindor extension, I, I mean, like, obviously, because we're all Mets fans and we all have like, you know, PTSD, like every day that goes by, I get more and more nervous in spite of myself. But like, I, I still think that the likelihood of a Lindor extension is high. Um, I think that they yeah. made this trade knowing that they would extend. No, I think that they made this trade more or less knowing what his extension asking price was um, and feeling like they could meet that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded both of their existing shortstops in said trade. Um, Conforto, I feel a little less, um, you know, confident about. I mean, I feel equally enthusiastic about the idea of extending Conforto as I do about extending Lindor. I think they should extend both. Um, But I am less confident only because Scott Boris is a thing and he is Conforto's agent and it's really tough um you know you've seen you've seen his clients like and I'm not knocking Scott Boris like he does a good job for his clients but he has a client and this year might very well be Jackie Bradley that like waits till June to sign every year um because his demands are high and he rarely if ever um allows his clients to extend to team friendly like under market 
type contracts. Um, so the Mets are going to yeah, have to Conforto's pony up. probably more valuable than Jackie Bradley at this point. Yes, absolutely. I mean, like he instantly becomes if he hits free agency next offseason, he instantly becomes the most valuable free agent outfielder and and Conforto and and Boris know this um so I think that they you know and I don't think Conforto I'm not saying that Conforto hates being a Met or anything like that I think he loves being a Met but he has not given any quotes beyond the cursory like I really like being a Met type of quotes that almost everyone gives like Lindor said that same stuff about Cleveland like he wanted to stay with Cleveland but they just didn't give him what he was asking for Conforto is not going to take a hometown discount to stay a Met. He's just not going yeah. to. Um, and so the Mets are going to have to pony up if they want him to stay on the team. Right now, my feelings about a Conforto extension are, I don't know, about 50-50 about whether that happens. I, I really don't know. Um, I think, and like I said earlier, I think that if they do extend Conforto, then losing, I, I am able to swallow the pill of losing out on Springer a whole lot easier. In fact, I probably forget about it entirely. Um, but if they don't, I'm going to be thinking about missing out on, on George Springer for quite some time. I mean, the thing to remember about Conforto and the reason he is so valuable to the Mets and to the rest of the world is like, and I had to look this up just to be sure. He is 27 years old. He will be 28 yeah. when the season starts, but he, it feels like he's been a Met forever because he debuted so young and so early into his professional career. But like, there are just not that many 28 year old star free agents anymore. Like, that's a hard thing to come about. And that's also what made the Lindor acquisition so exciting because he's right in his prime um and that's what makes Conforto more valuable than Springer because Springer's 31 or 32 I can't remember but he's not 27 going on 28 and that Springer's that, 31 you I know, think. makes yeah and that's what makes Conforto such like that contract that he's going into is a huge one for him because he will certainly never have a bigger payday in his life um and it will give whatever lucky team it is please Lord the Mets, like a solid five years of peak, excellent corner outfield. Um, and that's just, that's, I, I don't blame him for not signing an extension, but I would love for the Mets to be, um, to just be on him, just like be pursuing him, be open about how much they value him, because I think that's kind of all they can do right now. Well, and also I think for the Mets, it's also a bigger blow because he kind of stepped up into the leadership role yeah. that um, that had been missing since David Wright left. Um, and I don't, like, I adore Pete. I love Pete, but he, he's just way too excitable. Like, he can be a leader on the field by his play, but um, you need that kind of level-headed... Um, you know, even keeled, like, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and I feel like Conforto does that. Um, and we saw him really step up last year and do that. Um, and if he's gone, I don't, I don't, I really don't know. Maybe Lindor, but again, that would, you know, you would need to extend him. So, I don't, that leadership role would be significantly lacking and everybody you know talked about you know how close the clubhouse is how tight the clubhouse was and I think that really did translate in 2019 um so I think like I think it gets overblown chemistry 
but I think it does play a factor. And I don't know. I think that would that would be a significant blow for them because they they just like Jake. I don't think is that person either, just because he's his own Jake kind of guy. Uh, it's hard he, for pitchers. Like even the yeah. real like leadershipy ones are still only out there every five days. Yeah, like he can't really. There's something to be said for consistency. Yeah, and like Jake tries in his own Jake way. But like you said, it's hard for pitchers. They can't relate to what the everyday players are going through, like if they're slumping or, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I just, I I don't know who would fill that role. Like Nimmo could be traded or gone in a couple of years. So who? And who I don't think of Nimmo as having the, that vibe. No, I don't either. He's He's got more like the mascot vibe. Like he's always gonna be out there, like jazzing everybody up, big he's smile. He's the cheerleader. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's huge. But like, Conforto is, and I don't ever want to like put anybody else in David Wright's shoes because that is just those are impossible shoes to fill. But like, Conforto's the closest thing—the guy who's out there playing every day, um, you know, feeling it with the team, happy when they're doing well, sad when they're not, answering the questions. Um, I think he's also there their union rep, like just kind of out there, you know, paying, like listening to his teammates and communicating with everybody. And that's, that's huge. And that's a hard thing to find. Um, you know, I think to have someone come up really young and start to pick that up, that's, that's really special. And it's a reason that the Mets should be willing to value him somewhat more than other teams as well because that's something that he has uniquely for them well yeah. so he's the union me, rep he like kind Maggie of like... said he's the union rep and I think if you like that's an, that's another huge thing and I think that I think that if they extend him like you could you could slap a C on him like he could do it mm-hmm. like he has yeah he has the right combination of you know I, I think he's the happy medium between Jake on one end of the leadership spectrum and sort of Pete Alonso and Nimmo on the other end of the spectrum. Pete Alonso and Nimmo are the cheerleader types and they get very like they can pump you up on the field and like be like, yeah, get that base hit and like slap the railing and like all that sort of stuff. They get really excited um, and are able to hype guys up. Jake is more the like quiet, like lead by example, show like show your leadership through your performance. But he's very but he's very uncomfortable in front of cameras and in the spotlight and you can tell and that's not a knock on him it's just his personality but like Jake is not the person that's going to be comfortable being the guy that the media comes to with all the questions all the time and Conforto kind of has both of those sides in one person Jake for me he did it in more subtle ways um like you know there was the whole controversy with Ramos and I think Tim Healy brought it up that after every start unprompted Jake would praise Ramos he'd be like he calls he called a really good game like I thought he really helped me like you know think through that a bat or whatever so Jake does it in like more subtle ways which I think you also need like if he sees somebody like Ramos getting killed like he'll be like no he actually you know really called a good game he helped me out today so you need I think you need that combination of of both and not always the flashy like rah-rah in your face guys like Pete or or Nimmo. Yeah. And, and uh, like Jake is a professional. He is yes. like absolute rock solid 
pro great from what any of us can see like great teammate like that's all you know I get the vibe that like if you were to go to the stadium every day and like put in your work with Jake he would be just the absolute best person to work with oh Stroman already said that I don't know if you saw the article I was just gonna Um, mention that yeah yeah article yeah and that's and that's huge but again it's a different thing from the like public face of the team leadership kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. Extend Conforto and Lindor, Mets. Please do it. Begging and you to do it. And don't let Jake opt out. And don't let Jake opt out. Why um, would you say that? Don't even put that out there. Uh, yeah, I can't think <laughs> about that. Time. I can't think about <laughs> that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The offseason's not over yet. I mean, we're getting into spring training now, but there's still free agents available that the Mets could sign. And I do think they have at least one more move, if not a couple, I hope, up their sleeves. They just, like, add one more back-end starter, add another reliever, and then you can kind of wrap this offseason up and extend. <laughs> and extend Conforto and Lador. Um and then you can kind of wrap the off season up and then it's a big, it's a big success if they do all that. I think it's, um, I, I, like I said, the only thing that's keeping it from being like an a plus off season for me is, is not signing Springer. But if they do all the other things, I think it's like a solid B plus at least off season. Yeah. Like I can give them credit for, you know, preventing like the Danny Munoz of the world and Daryl Siciliani's of the world, like getting significant at bats. Like they've definitely safeguarded against that. So, and I think that's something that's been lacking for a really long time. So just having like your options being Jonathan Villar and Jose Martinez instead of Danny Muno, like you have actually like major league quality depth now. So I think that's, that's significant for them, for this team, because, like, I can't remember ever, like, where you're like, oh, God, who are they signing who just got DFA'd or who's, like, well, kind of hitting in depth. AAA? Oh, like, I mean, all these guys you bring in, they're like, well, I've got a good starter here. And who's behind him? Well, let's hope we don't have to find out. Like, they're always yeah. just, just these, like, absolute... <sighs> I'm sorry. Some of them are, lo- I'm sure they're lovely people, but yeah. like they have no place on a major league roster, let alone like one torn hamstring away from starting for six weeks. Like oh that's the Mets depth situation has always been so, so brutal. And so that is one of the reasons I'm willing to like 
be a little more positive on this offseason than a lot of people, which is like, they're not just building depth. They're building like quality depth, the kind of depth that contending teams will have. And that's a nice change of pace from, sorry, Danny Minos. So one coming to mind right now. Sorry, I know. buddy. I don't mean to pick on him, but I hope his mom doesn't listen to this podcast. That's always my first thought. Not having <laughs> to give like ten or fifteen starts to Walker Lockett is like a good thing, you guys. <laughs> like, and I mean, in the end, listen. Like, obviously, these guys are depth for a reason. Like, it's not anything to write home about. But I would much rather, and it might be that in the end, if Jordan Yamamoto has to make a significant number of starts, it might not be that his numbers end up any better than like a Walker Lockett, but at least he has upside. At least you can see that upside as opposed to their their floors might be just about the same, but the ceiling is so much higher on these guys that they've been getting. And that's what you're betting on. You're betting on the upside. Jordan Yamamoto has way better stuff than Walker Lockett could ever had i'm kind of excited for jordan yamamoto i'm not gonna lie <laughs> he's a great pickup and he knew the lfgm hashtag immediately yes I- I'm on he board. photoshopped himself in a mets uniform already love love yeah to there's see so it. many guys like i'm i'm super psyched about trevor may also i really he's not yeah. depth he's like a quality you know major league reliever no, like mean, not a depth guy but like now. he's another one who's really like seems to get into the idea of being a Met right away. And that just feels awesome. That's always instantly endearing. Yeah. And McCann, McCann, like, never tweeted before. But now this offseason, like, he was tweeting at Strowman and, like, Syndergaard retweeted him. So it's kind of nice just to see him, like, I guess trying to, like, you know, get in with his new teammates and um, just to have a more visible presence for the fans. And so I was like, oh, okay, I can get behind James McCann. Like, his, I think we've mentioned it before, like, his press conference after they signed him. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to run through a brick wall for him now. Yeah. So it's nice that, you know, we're we're not seen as like a place to avoid anymore like we're kind of a destination spot for lack of a better term um yeah people they seem excited and you know fans can see that and feel it and feed off of it and especially Strowman, like Strowman's like tweeting at all his teammates he's excited to have his teammate kevin pilar back yes (laughs) Strowman, while we're having the conversation Keep Strowman around for the next yes, five years, that'd be please. Great too. That'd he be needs great. to retire, Matt. Oh, I love Strowman. Holy shit, I love him so much. Um, I mean, I, I'm sad, Matt. The vibes oh. off the charts with that guy. Yes, manifesting on another level from everybody else. Just truly vibing. I'm telling you, man. Like being at his first started City Field, it was. It was electric. And you could, he's, he plays off the crowd. Like, you know, Jake's always so stoic on the mound. And, but just seeing Strowman was just like a completely different experience that I, I wasn't used to as a fan. And it was, it was just awesome. Like, he was pumping up the crowd and like waving to the crowd. And like, I, I wanted that back. And I was sad that we didn't get to see it last year. And I thought that was it. But now, now that we have Lavin back, I hope he sticks around for a little while longer. That'd be nice. 
Um, the I mean, the projection systems certainly like the Mets. Um, Pagoda likes the Mets a lot. Um, I don't know if people have seen the Pagoda the Pagoda projection out from Baseball Prospectus, um, and they have met the Mets as like a ninety six win team and like weight and like winning the NL East by a lot. Um, which which is, you can kind of see. Yeah, like yeah. it's not an out there idea. I don't know if it's my modal prediction. I know for my internal system, like I don't know if that's the one that like I land on. 700 you know 700 out of a thousand times or whatever but like it doesn't feel impossible or even improbable yep exactly i don't know if it's yeah like it's definitely feasible but i they seem to hate the braves which i don't know if i buy i don't get that either i don't understand why like i'm not and i don't think i think that the so when the pakota projection came out um, a lot of people were talking about how how much it underrates the Braves, which is an accurate you know observation. But I think other people kind of I think they swung the pendulum too far in the other direction, and they were like the Braves are way better than the Mets. I don't understand this. I I don't think that's true. I think I would honestly put them at about equal footing at this point. Like they're both pr- they're both d- damn good ball clubs. I think. Well, the Braves didn't really add, did they? Now, they were already a great team. Like, they didn't have... They were way better than the Mets in 2020. Big, yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> but it's, I, I'm trying to think of, like... I don't think there's been any real turnover in that roster, and maybe I'm forgetting something. Marcelo Zuna. Zuna, yeah. They, yeah, they brought back guys. Um, so I guess I guess the argument you could make is that they are who they are. They were before, but a little... But a year older. Um, and then, you know... With the Mets adding wins, those wins are coming out disproportionately of NLE's teams. And so I could see them, you know, regressing a bit from last year due to those two factors. But it does still seem like a big stretch. Yeah, yeah. The the Braves pitching staff kind of reminds me of the Mets pitching staff in 2015. Like, they're all really young and really good. But, and they were they were very injured last year, keep in mind. Yeah, that's the other thing, is they were injured. So I think as long as they stay healthy and... Although per- that's always a big yeah. if. So, I don't know. It, the, the best predictor of an injury is having an injury last year. So, yep. I think that's why... Being, having, like, coming back from, an, from injuries may not be, like, a win, per se, for the Braves. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because Pakoda, so Pakoda, like, straight up hates, not hates the Braves, but, like, has them, like, below Philly and Washington, which I don't understand at all. Um, but then Fangraph's projections came out. Fangraph's has a different, like, way of doing it than Pakoda. Pakoda publishes, like, these bell curves almost, so you can almost see, like, what's each team's, like, median outcome versus, like, their 95th percentile outcome, and you can see the curves, and you can see where the curves are along the x-axis, right? Um, Whereas Fangraphs just publishes, like, likelihood percentages of, like, making the playoffs. Um, So Fangraphs also likes the Mets. Fangraphs has... so. Pakoda has the Mets at like 96 wins as their like median projection and Fangraphs has the Mets at like 85% 
likelihood playoffs, um, which I think is like the third highest percentage in the National League behind the Dodgers and the Padres. The Dodgers and the Padres are both in the 90s um, percentile likelihood to make the playoffs. They had the Braves the second highest, but they only had them, I think it was like like 60% or something like that. I can't remember, but much lower than Did they? I can't remember. Are they expanding the playoffs or no? No. Or was that not decided yet? No, they're not expanding the playoffs. Well, at least as far as like the current agreement, which I think like it's, it's, I think it's like, it's not set in stone because there's no like actual, like no one signed a piece of paper. Um, but like the latest agreement between the union and and we could get into that next because that was kind of the next thing on my notes here um so the baseball news um that's prevalent right now is you know continued like labor negotiations surrounding both covid and the upcoming you know uh, expiration of the current collective bargaining agreement but like how to deal with this season before the cba is up Um, At the end of it. So they've reached an agreement on health protocols and rules for the 2021 season, which includes keeping the seventh inning doubleheaders and a runner on second in extras. So those two rules are from last season are in place again this season. Um, I hate the runner on second and extra innings. I could go on a whole podcast long rant about how much I hate it. It's the worst of their little, like, bullshit rules. Like, I... It makes no sense. The seventh inning doubleheaders, especially during pandemic baseball, I can deal with that because if you have and to. And those are long days. You have to, re- especially during like COVID when you anticipate yeah. that there may have to be games rescheduled and a lot of doubleheaders. I understand having seventh inning, dub- uh, seven inning doubleheaders. I don't love it because it still feels less like baseball, but I understand it during the pandemic. I, I hope they get rid of it after the pandemic's over but this runner on second extras is like i understand they're trying to speed the games up i understand this is covid but that deviates too far from what is baseball to me it's just like it's yeah it's 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 just so unearned it's unholy i hate it well it so clearly throws off the pitchers and and like whoever you know whatever the visiting team is almost always will get a couple of runs and it just sort of deflates going into it just it feels very like it like it throws the energy off a lot like the whole not just the pitcher's energy but like everything um and it just plays with the momentum in really weird ways and it just it it's the 10th inning like give them a I, I could almost understand it if it's like the 12th inning or the 13th if you must but like I don't know. And then they're talking about, like, oh, what about those 16 inning games? And I looked it up. Something like seven in a thousand games go to the 16th inning. So, like, I'm sorry. We can just suck it up for seven out of a thousand games. Also, like, I'm sorry. I like baseball. So watching watching baseball for 16 innings is not a problem for me. That's not something that's a problem that needs fixing. That's like, oh, look, free baseball. How fun. (laughs) Like, well, I I can, but I can buy if it was happening, like, you know, a couple times a week. That's, that's a lot of taxing on a bullpen, you know, all that stuff. But it's not. Yes. It's not like a frequent enough occurrence that you need to make such a drastic change to the game to like, account for it. For me, like, you know, I'm very anti-DH. We know this. But, like, because I like quirky baseball. Like, it's just one of baseball's weird, 
quirks. Like, there's no clock. And now this is basically putting a clock on the game. Like, you're saying, okay, time to go, wrap it up. And that's that's not baseball to me. Yeah. I Yeah, exactly, Linda. I agree. Every Anything, to me, my favorite thing about baseball is that it's weird as hell. And anything that sanitizes it and makes it less weird, I hate. Which So I yes. hate this, this seventh inning. I mean, I hate the uh, runner on second in extras because that makes it less weird. I hate... I hate the NLDH if only because it makes the leagues, it forces the leagues to have the same rules. And mm-hmm. I like that they have different rules because that's weird as hell. No other sport has anything like that. It's quite frankly kind of dumb, but like I like it. Like it's, I like that it's dumb. It's our dumb. It's yeah. our dumb. And like every, every ballpark has different dimensions. That's weird as hell. No other sport has that. Like a field that's not a standard size. What the hell is that? <laughs> but if they stopped doing that, it would be sad. If every stadium looked the same, it would suck i would hate that yeah like cookie cutter stadiums would just be boring that's not like why bother visiting other stadiums at that point and i know well, that those, this is and those relatively... seven and a thousand games yeah oh, sorry those are those are crazy yeah, yeah. It's you go out for dinner and you come back you're like holy shit that game is still on like it's so fun and like, it will never happen again if the if there's a runner in second it will never get that far no and it's that's sad and, like, the NLDH, it takes away weird stuff like Bartolo Colon's home run. It takes away, like, all sorts of, like... I, Jerry I just, Blevins getting Jerry a hit. Jerry Blevins getting a hit. Sean Mises pinch hit triple. Yeah, like, that. Uh. all that stuff is so fun. And I also love, like... Um, position players pitching like that shit is fun to me and so like and that's part of what comes with long extra inning games is that sometimes you get a position player pitching and I find that fun as hell like all this stuff that makes baseball more fun they've sanitized it and I know it's like a minor I know that this is a minor gripe in the end but I am still mad about taking away the intentional walk and making it the (laughs) abracadabra walk I know that makes me sound like back in my day very Gary Keith and Ron about it but like Every once in a while, they would screw up the intentional walk, and a pitch would get away, and like weird stuff would happen. That's never going to happen again. Who was it who refused to take it? Was it Miguel Cabrera? Miguel Cabrera like swung at an int- at, at like yes. a pitch out and got a hit. <laughs> like that stuff is fun, and now that's not a thing anymore. Now that's not a thing anymore. Now they just put the finger down. And he goes, I get it, but like, was it really worth like taking away that like? That like twenty seconds, small chance that there could be something fun for saving five seconds. Like, is it really worth it? I don't know. Not to me, but whatever. I mean, Rob Manfred clearly feels differently. But I, I just think all these rule changes are made by people who don't like baseball. Like, it's like that does seem to be the 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 unifying theme is like, how can we have less baseball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm like, I like more baseball is. personally. I don't know. Yeah. About you. Um. So yeah, that's but um yeah, also part of this agreement so that the the seventh inning doubleheader, seven inning doubleheaders are being kept. The runner on second and extras which everyone hates is being kept. The the there's no DH in the NL right now. Um that might change with the new collective bargaining agreement, but it seems like we're going into 2021 without a DH in the National League. There is also no expanded playoffs um which I do like because I hated the expanded playoffs as well. But like there was. I feel like there's a happy medium on expanded yeah. playoffs, and that wasn't it. That was like that was like mega teams is too expanded. Many. That was that's more than half. Yeah. It's yeah. too many. Can't uh, tell me that more than half of teams should be in any sort of final, 
you know, celebration of the greatest talent. Like, that's just not how math works. It's too many. And so initially, my understanding is they proposed, so they wanted 16-team playoffs again. That was not a thing. Then MLB wanted um, 14 teams, and the union turned that down, and so there's no expanded playoffs at all. Um, so the playoffs are going to be the way they were before COVID, um, which I'm fine with. The only, honestly, like I like the current playoff system. The only thing that I liked about the expanded playoffs that I think should be kept is a three game series wildcard round. I like that better than one game playoffs, um, for the wildcard, because I don't think baseball should be decided. I don't think a playoff series should be decided by one game. I understand that it incentivizes winning the division, and I think that the winning the division should be incentivized, but I think that the wild card should be a three-game series. That's my opinion. But, you know, it's not going to be this year. Um, and also, you get people, like, it just waters everything down. Like, teams barely trying can make the playoffs. Like, so then why bother? going for it because and as we've you seen just, they don't yeah exactly they choose not to. yeah so there's going to be no reason to even like try because it's like oh i can you know fall backwards into the playoffs and call it a successful season which the marlins did with mattingly and and on the flip side they can say well like yeah we could try really hard to make it to the playoffs but then once we do you know there's so many there's there's so many like ways that it can you cannot make it all the way to the series it becomes too much of a crapshoot once you're there and like I don't totally agree with that I think like the playoffs are the playoffs and you just sort of have to like get a little lucky and hope for the best but like um it just it it's just anti-competitive in so many ways yeah 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 that's um, exactly what it is you're taking away what sport is basically like the nature of sport and like it's just an affront to like everything that I am as a fan like yeah okay I would like to see the Mets in the playoffs and yeah I would give them a greater chance but let's be real if the Mets played the made the playoffs last year it would have been an embarrassment so just no and like why get my frustration up for something that you know isn't necessary um, the other thing, and I'm just going to read this quote from the ESPN article rather than like try to summarize, um, but on the like, um, health protocol side, um, the ESPN article about the agreement says, quote, the agreement includes more sophisticated contact tracing for COVID-19 that includes the use of technology and more league rules on behavior to comply with coronavirus protocols. Now, that is sufficiently vague such that, like, am I convinced MLB care actually cares about player safety? Not really. Um, but they claim that there are more robust, um, you know, COVID-19 rules in place for this season than there were last year. But they're letting fans in? Yeah. You know. I don't don't understand. The the vaccine is not going to be mandatory for players, almost because they kind of, like, legally can't do that. But, like, I do think, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see, like, A, if players are prioritized and the ethical issues surrounding that and b if they are like what how like how much vaccine uptake there's going to be i mean i think that if they leave it 
up to the players to like go seek out appointments like at their at the CVS or whatever. I think your uptake's going to be pretty damn low, but I think if you like bring it into the clubhouse and like let them get the vaccine like through the team um and they don't have to do any work then i think enough of like plenty of them will get it um i think the only like the only holdouts will be like the true like anti-vax assholes (laughs) i can't wait till we find out for sure who all those guys are and i can't wait i I mean i hope i never do i don't i don't want to know they're all terrible yeah very much dreading finding out that like my favorite baseball player is an anti-vaxxer can't wait for that I mean, let's be real. Ugh. Brandon Nimmo is definitely not getting vaccinated. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe you Sorry, just, Brandon. Like, why and say it's a flu shot or something? I don't know. <laughs> it's a happiness shot, Brandon. It makes you. It makes you get to first more. Base eight times faster on an intentional walk. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But, like, I don't understand how baseball can basically say, I mean, I'm not advocating for baseball players to get the vaccine before teachers, but all of last year, like, baseball kept saying baseball players are essential workers, and now they're saying, oh, no, wait, no, they're not, never mind. Like, they're, the messaging is all off, and they need, you, they can't have it both ways. Like, they shouldn't have been playing last year, and then maybe they shouldn't be playing this year without a vaccine, but that's not an option, I guess. Right. And like, I don't know, like, do I feel icky about professional athletes? Just kind of, this is kind of the same conversation we had with testing when testing supplies were in short supply and they were getting tested every couple of days. Um, do I feel icky about them being prioritized for something that's in short supply and people who like really, really need it or not getting it? Yeah, I really do. I feel icky about that. But the season is going to go on whether they are vaccinated or not. And if they aren't vaccinated, then they risk bringing the virus home to their very at-risk family members and the very potentially very at-risk ballpark staff. And so, like, you know, then in that sense, do I want them, would I rather them be vaccinated? Yeah, probably. Like, there's no win, there's a no-win scenario here, you know? Like, either they're well, There's still the question a- of whether the vaccine will prevent transmission which we don't which we don't know i don't know i mean for me i feel like ultimately i would have been better with the testing situation if they'd actually done something with the testing results if they had Mm -hmm. used testing to like protect people but they didn't as it turned out um (laughs) you know justin turner prancing about um is just the perfect final image to that season because ultimately testing didn't seem to change anybody's behavior. It didn't seem to result in anyone, um, you know, quarantining who was supposed to be quarantining. Like everything was done. So like freaking Marlins voting on whether to play a game. Like it was only one manager of the year. Yeah. 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 No. And that's, so I, I can't exactly, think of how the parallel would work with the vaccine but regardless MLB has done nothing to engender my confidence in their willingness to appropriately use public health resources yep um but there's going to be as I mean unless obviously um 
things start happening, which they might, but they are planning on having a 162-game season. Um, they are going to attempt. That will start on April 1st, which is pretty soon. With fans in the stands. Yep, in some places. Um, with fans in the stands at reduced capacity. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for other people. I am not going anywhere near a baseball game, at the very least, until I'm vaccinated, which is not yeah. happening for a while because I am very low priority, as I should be. Um, and even once I'm vaccinated, like, the outdoor events at reduced capacity makes a little bit more sense, but I can't believe they're doing indoor sporting events, which they are doing, which is nuts to me. That's insane. That's insane. February 23rd, I think the the Nets are having fans in the stands. That's Oh, New York are. The Nets, the Knicks. Oh, my God. Andrew Yang had this tweet where he was saying that, like, the city owes the fans the ability to get safely to these games. And it's like, yeah, buddy, there are 18 different subway lines that will take them to the games where they can sit in a Petri dish for uh-huh. three hours with no ventilation. Like, it's unconscionable. And they have Jeez. to take their masks off to eat. Like, they're not going to keep their masks on the whole time. Yeah, and I stopped by Dinosaur Barbecue to pick up food on Sunday for because it was David's birthday. And there were all these people with, like, kids eating inside. And I was like, oh, oh, God, get me out of here. It was just, geez, people, come on. The idea of being in any sort of crowd inside is just like, no, hell no. Uh -uh. Oh, Pete at the Super Bowl. Pete, no. Bad. Not good, Bob. No, not. I mean, I get that, like we are, that we are like tilting against windmills here. I don't, I don't know. It's just like, I know that nothing, that our opinions are so in the. I don't know if it's minority or what anymore. It feels like everybody is going out and like shoving their faces on other people's faces. But (laughs) man, I don't like to see it. Like, we're all tired. I get it. Like, we all have the the pandemic fatigue. But that doesn't mean it just automatically goes away because you're over it. We're so close. Yeah, but there's light now. Just do the thing. <laughs> Please, I'm begging you. Sitting at home is the yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Watching the game on TV is the thing. Yep. I look forward to doing that and not going outside. Um... So, uh, before we get to walk-off wins, I just kind of have, like, two, like, uh, maintenance items, so to speak, um, for you guys. Uh, the first is that I just wanted to give a couple shout-outs to, and I should really do this more often, but I don't. I mean, I do shout, I do try to shout-out, um, pieces of writing when they are relevant to the topic that we're talking about, but today I just want to give a couple shout-outs to pieces of writing that I've read over the past day or so that I think are just fantastic pieces of baseball writing that everyone should read um the first is uh the way out by rj mcdaniel on Fangraphs. they wrote about um an intensely personal story about their own experience struggling with mental health issues um and suicidal thoughts um and attempts um and in light of you know drew the piece that came out about drew robinson and his attempt to take his own life um and about 
you know, those who have mental health issues who suffer in silence and mental health in baseball and how we can all be better about addressing these things. So you should absolutely read that piece. It's phenomenal. Please read it. Um, and we have uh, a piece that's uh, related to issues that we've brought up on the podcast before and we'll surely be discussing more with Andrea Williams, who the interview, which is rescheduled for March 2nd. So we will have Andrea Williams for you guys, rest assured. Um, it's been rescheduled, but I'm sure we'll talk about this more with her. Um, but uh, Shakia Taylor on, um, on Baseball Prospectus wrote a piece called MLB uh, Cannot Elevate the Negro Leagues by Subsuming Them. So that is also a really good piece. You should absolutely read that about how, you know, MLB recognizing the Negro Leagues as, quote, you know, elevating their status um, is not necessarily the answer here. Um, and how we we shouldn't sanitize history um, by saying, OK, we did it. It's better now, um, while not recognizing the fact that they were considered less than for, you know years and years and decades and decades so you should absolutely read that piece as well so those are two pieces that you guys should be reading obviously there's plenty of other fantastic pieces out there but those are two in particular i read this week that i really enjoyed um meanwhile um next week uh we are having our um fundraiser raffle um we will circulate a zoom link on our social media it's kind of going to be like a virtual meetup like it was last time for our mini dollars for dingers that we did um, we'll have our prizes. I'll uh, I'll draw um, from my floral hat again. I'll draw names from the, you know, almost 50 different donors that we've had, which is incredible, you guys. Thank you so much, by the way. I should give an update. You're so number. spoiled. I yeah. Know, right? We have the best listeners in the entire it's world. amazing. I need to give an updated number that I should have written down in the show notes and didn't, uh, much to my dismay. But uh, last time we recorded, um, Kellyanne Healy challenged the listeners to get us to three thousand dollars by the end of that week we met that goal by the end of the the last time the week the last time we recorded two weeks ago uh we did reach three thousand dollars and we are now at three thousand two hundred twenty five dollars and 14 cents for domestic violence charities so thank you guys so much um the impact is incredible beyond what i ever could have imagined when we just sort of thought this up because we were you know dismayed by hall of fame voting um and we just wanted to do something um so thank you guys so so much for stepping up huge next week we'll get to celebrate have our big raffle um have you guys on zoom with us uh get to chat about baseball whatever else you guys want to chat about so we're very excited for that we will have a zoom link for you soon um, in the meanwhile, in the meantime, the fundraiser's not over yet. It, it doesn't end until we draw our first name from the raffle. So you can still be eligible if you make a donation in any amount to the National Domestic Violence Hotline or the Women's Shelter or Domestic Violence Charity of your choice. Um, DM us uh, your receipt at a pot of their own or you can email us the receipt aa.apotoftheirown at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who's already donated very excited for next week's fundraiser raffle. We can't wait. So, yep, check that out. Keep an eye on our social media for that Zoom link. Um, but can we, we get to 5000 Can we? That can would be we? incredible. Linda, you just set the bar. Can we get to 5000 mm-hmm. by next week? Come on, guys. Let's do it. Um, but in okay. the meantime... Maddie just woke up at that. It, you got it's so exciting. The cat woke up. <laughs> <laughs> the cat was like five thousand dollars. Um, Did she then give you kind of a slow blink and fall back asleep? 
No, now she's checking out the computer. So if I get cut off, I don't know why. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yep, uh, we will end the show this week with walk-off wins, like we always do, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, okay, so we are um, we are avowed city folk in this family, um, to the point where I actually uh, was never able to successfully pass a New York State driving test, Um but when we were in South Dakota for three months, I figured it would never get easier, you know, with like my in-laws nice car and uh, those extremely wide lanes that they have out there. And so I got my license and we took a step this week that I never thought we would take, truly never even imagined. Um, and we bought a car. Um, it's a used Prius. Um, it's 2012, very fancy, but it's so pretty. Um, it is very dark blue and it's, I don't know, I, like the guy dropped it off. Um, and I was like, yeah, it was like, y'all realize it will never be cleaner than it is at this exact moment in time. Um, and (laughs) it's just, it's really nice. We haven't quite figured out, um, exactly how to make it. Con- as convenient as it ought to be um you know we're still sort of trying to get like the um the rhythm of having a car um but but it's really nice and it, it will make it a lot easier to take the kids to games um because we won't have to spend you know an hour and 20 minutes coming back on public transportation at the end um and we'll get to like visit my mom and like I can take my dad to doctor's appointments and we can like drive around New Jersey and look at train yards um you know and that's that feels really um it feels really special and really freeing to kind of have all these new options that we never had before so yeah so died in the wool city folk here um enjoying having a car so well and as a Toyota owner I'm I I feel like you picked a good one. I'll just say that. <laughs> My mom is has a 2012 Prius um, that is currently on like it's she's like into her 200,000th mile and it's still like solid as a rock. So my understanding is um, like someone was saying, if you have a pre 2000 Camry, you have to be super careful because the cars will last forever. Um, and so they will constantly get stolen for parts. Oh, wow. Because they don't make those parts anymore. Like that, just the Toyotas, like you can't, you can't kill them. They will just, they will outlive you. So. Oh, I cried when I gave up my 05 Corolla. Oh, that was a sad (laughs) day. But yeah, you can't, you can't kill them. Like you can try, but they're, they're just not going to go down. I love it. I'll, I'll show a picture at some point. It's, it's very, it's very shiny. I should show a picture before it is no longer shiny <laughs> that will definitely in winter, cars become not yes. shiny very quickly because yeah. of the salt oh. we are so part of the deal though was that um we we were only gonna get a car if we could budget it for a parking lot because um otherwise we would just be kind of trading one stressor for another and um, we did not want to spend the rest of our lives driving around looking for parking so at least our baby is relatively um well, it's relatively well protected in the um, 
in the underbelly of Inwood. I don't even know where they park all these cars. <laughs> it's like like Mary Poppins' bag full of cars. Yeah, you don't want to know. You don't. <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't need to know. All I know is that it's someplace that I don't have to worry about it, and you know, have you it won't get a- nasty. We've been thinking about it. Okay. We're we're trying to. We know it's a girl. That okay. just was obvious. Um, I, so our parking lot is on Payson Avenue. And oh. so I kind of thought Joan would yeah. be nice. Yeah, hey, Joan, that feels right. I know it, it just popped into mind. So, um, I mean, everybody can just like text my husband, I guess he's the, the holdout on that. He was not opposed to it by any means, but just like, he's like, oh, okay, we'll think about it. And like, are you done thinking yet? No, that's you like Kismet. That's like fate. Perfect. I think you have to. All right, I'll I'll let him know. Yes, yep. he will not fight me on this. Yep. You and like I said, you have now. Yes, and you have to throw change into the back seat for a good luck. Yes, I keep forgetting. That's yes. probably why we got stuck in traffic earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> my car is also a 2012. It's not a Toyota, but my car is a Chevy, a 2012 Chevy Cruze. It's also dark blue, and her name is Penelope because Penelope Cruz, obviously. Oh. See, my, mine is a 2018 RAV4 that I leased, and per, and it's purple because I love purple. So, um, then purple is the color of royalty, so I named it Megan. Oh, Excellent. I like yep. Good so, stuff. yeah, I'm Megan, my RAV4. <laughs> yep. I am also an avowed city person. I mean, we live in D.C., but we made sure that we uh, got an apartment that came with a dedicated parking spot. So we could park the car because I like having my car. Um, Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Okay, this is going to be kind of... I don't know. <laughs> but um, so Saturday I woke up uh, to get ready for work and my eye was completely swollen shut. And I look in the mirror. It's like, huh, don't think that's supposed to be like that. Um, so I tried like the telehealth for the first time. And I have to say, it's pretty amazing. Um, you just upload pictures I like got to fill out like, you know, the paperwork and everything. And then you upload pictures of your ailment and then a doctor calls you. And like they called me within uh, not even five minutes. And, you know, you, they it's like a regular doctor's visit and the privacy of your own home. And like my eye was swollen shut, so I couldn't drive. Um, so if like, you know, I'm not saying... Like, if something good can come out of the pandemic, and it seems like this is more of an option now, I think I think that's, that could be a good thing. Um, so, yeah, like, just having my telehealth visit um, is my walk-off win, because it was either a sty or pink eye, they don't know, but that's beside the point, but... You know, it's just, and then they also had, and it was all covered by my insurance. They had, they said if you wanted to see a therapist, if you needed, um, you know, they had resources for mental health and, you know, they had everything you could possibly need. So it just seemed like a really good resource that, you know, people should take advantage of if, if they have the option. Um, 
Yeah, and then they called in my prescription right away. Like, it just, it couldn't have been easier. So, you know, if I ever need it again, God willing, I don't. But it would definitely be something I would use again. So, yeah, telehealth. That's my, that's my walk-off win. I <laughs> see my psychiatrist huge. via telehealth, and it's amazing. Yeah, it seems like it would be, you know, something that that would be useful to people. It's I'm huge. It's, I think, I mean, I've been talking to people about it in the context of, because I'm a geneticist and a science policy person, so I've been talking to people about it in the context of genetics, and the telehealth revolution has been huge for the rare disease community, because genetic, like, genetic specialists are hard to come by, um, and, like, genetic counseling is a profession that is, like, sorely understaffed, and we need more genetic counselors, so, hey, you know, high school kids out there, if you're, like, interested in biology and genetics and you're, like, looking for a career in that, you should be a genetic counselor because they're desperately needed in the workforce. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, like, telehealth has been huge because in order to see a specialist for your super rare condition that you might have, um, being able to access it through telehealth because you don't have a genetic counselor that specializes in your disease within 50 miles of you um, is, you know, huge. So, yeah, I've been, I've been talking to people a lot about that in the past couple months. Um, yeah, I can see it being a game changer. And, you know, it, it gets people help more quickly, I think, too. Like, I, you don't have to wait in a waiting room. Like, you know, they like I said, they, they gave me an estimated wait time of less than 10 minutes. So, clearly, they weren't busy because it was 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. But... You know, it's if you really need help quickly, you know, it's it's a better option than sitting in like an urgent care waiting room. Yeah, definitely. Just about anything is better. A better option. Urgent care waiting room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think we've all been there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, telehealth is awesome. Um. So my walk-off win this week is pretty is a pretty simple one. Um, it's just that I had a long weekend over the weekend, and I desperately needed it because, yeah, uh, Monday, yesterday was President's Day. Um, and so I had off because I'm a federal employee, and so we had all the federally recognized holidays off. Um, it was just like last week was just really stressful at work, not even like anything particularly bad or anything like that it was just a very busy week and I just had a lot going on and I was working late every day last week and it was just a lot and so I desperately needed just the three-day weekend to relax and do nothing I it was actually productive from a like household perspective because I like did four loads of laundry and like built a headboard and like cooked meals for the week that we can have leftovers as opposed to like the week before where we ordered takeout and I got left and we had leftovers like three nights because I just like had no time to cook um so I was actually like you know cooking meals I put together a headboard I did four loads of laundry it was just like things that I needed to do that I didn't have time to do um, that I was able to get done and I was able to like read my book and relax. And then yesterday I went to the grocery store and got discount Valentine's Day chocolate and that made me happy. So it was just like a nice long weekend and that's my walk off win. <laughs> we all need that. We gotta tell like, I think we've said this on the pod before. Like we need to take the victories where we can get them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Like it's big or small. We just yeah. Take take pleasure in the little things. That's what I've learned. Yep. Um, 
So, yeah. And enjoy and enjoy the three day weekends before there are children involved. And it's not a three day weekend. It's <laughs> like a 50 day weekend. And oh, my God, how is it still the weekend? <laughs> the kids are great. But the three day weekends lose their touch. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, for now, I like them, though. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, while you're waiting for your next three day weekend, which I don't think is going to come for quite a while now march kind of memorial sucks for that. day memorial day oh um, is it that long yeah i think so mm-hmm. I think that is the next like federal holiday which ugh. um but while you're waiting for that you can go to amazonavenue.com we are ramping up our content because spring training is going to start soon we're going to have all of our like season preview type stuff we're going to have king of spring training i will likely do that feature again because i'm in charge of that um we're going to start having game recaps and all of that stuff game threads for even the spring training games um so yeah go to amazingavenue.com all stuff mets it's all you need to go to um you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Follow the show and follow all of us on Twitter. You can uh, rate and review the show. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio, our entire suite of shows. Rate and review them. It really helps people find the show. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. Raffle next week. Stay tuned.